Welcome to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream, the show dedicated to fun, practical mental performance strategies for your golf game. Join mental performance coach Jamie Glazier and co-host Ross Flanagan as they discuss how to manage your mind in one of the craziest sports there is. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Welcome to you, Jamie Glazier, up there in Queensland, and we have a special guest with us today, Austin Sipe over in Florida. Austin, I'll, I'll go to you first. How are you, sir? You well? Uh, doing very well, doing very well. Just want to say thank you to the both of you for having me on uh, today. It is an honor and a privilege uh, to finally get to talk to the both of you on this podcast. You've put us under under pressure right from the start there to deliver on that uh, nice greeting oh. and welcome. Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm strong. <laughs> Jamie, how are you, mate? You well? I'm, I'm well, thanks, Roscoe. Very well. Um, yes, up here, uh, able to get out. I know you guys down there are, are in lockdown, stage four lockdown, so really cannot go anywhere. Um, so we've got a bit more freedom up here and a bit more warmth. But uh, thinking about uh, everyone down in Melbourne and Victoria uh, currently, but... Um, Mate, I'm doing well. We can't go anywhere, but you know that might create an opportunity for us to uh, connect a little bit more on the podcast front. So, well, uh, that's we've spoken about that. So maybe we can uh, we can do definitely. a bit more. Definitely, definitely. And uh, this week, um, yeah, having Austin on is going to be a great privilege for us and the listeners because uh, I've had the uh, the pleasure of working with Austin for. I think we started in maybe January, um, and just. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, January, and the, the way that Austin just views the game, views his performance, uh, his development uh, is really special. And, um, yeah, just the the honesty that uh, we're able to create in discussions um, around things is it has been fantastic. So it's, it's going to be a, a real interesting episode, this one. Well, Austin, once again, thanks for joining us. And why don't you just introduce yourself to us? Let us know who you are, what your golf background is, where you, you came from in a golfing sense and, and where you're going and, and what your vision is and what your future is. Let's talk about that. So where, where, did, where did the golfing journey start for you, buddy? Uh, so really the golfing journey started for me at a you know pretty young age like everyone uh, typically does. Um, so uh, my family has a uh, pretty good golf background. Uh, my father is a head golf professional. Um, in a country club in Dayton, Ohio, Marine Country Club. And uh, he, his story is pretty unique as well. So he started as a caddy there, um, worked in the bag room in high school, became uh, the assistant pro, was there as the assistant for 11 years, and then he is on year 23 as oh, wow. a pro. So he, uh, he just started from the ground, uh, ground up and worked his uh, tail off. So you know, I'm, I'm his first, uh, first child. I'm his only son. So, um, he, uh, introduced me to the game when I was like seven years old and that was just as simply, you know, taking me to the range, um, really didn't let me hit a club, just watched people hit and, uh, watched him hit. So some of the habits I picked up <laughs> through him, just watching him hit. Um, and so I didn't really start to get into it until about 12 years old. And that was, um, you know, just starting off junior golf. Um, you know, my mom, God love my mom. She was the one who drove me around, um, to these tournaments and dad was working. 
So, uh, yeah, just started junior golf, rode it into high school, um, made varsity freshman year and was on varsity for four years. And then was uh, very fortunate to get a scholarship, golf scholarship at Wright State University, um, just outside Dayton. So I stayed fairly local, which was awesome. I uh, was able to still be around my family, but still had that, um, you know, that, that small distance away from home that I could get away. And then I could still, you know, practice at Moraine uh, where my dad was and um, work on the game there, but then still also go and you know, tee it up with the guys on the team. And so I was there for four years. And then I'm um, currently uh, just past my first year as a head um, uh, professional for golf. What's this year been like for you? Obviously, it's been a very challenging year for everyone, but what's your first year as a professional been like? Uh, are we allowed to cuss on here? Is it? <laughs> you can do okay. it. You can do what you want, mate. This is your show. All right. I just, I, you know, I, we talk about, you know, Jamie and I have been talking about honesty and, you know, what I've been doing recently, you know, I'm just kind of tired how, you know, you kind of call how things are. And so this first year, like, you know, I just, I get my, I got my ass kicked. Yeah. It's completely got my ass kicked just from a playing standpoint, um, you know, how I felt about my game, you know, what I was working on, um, traveling, trying to figure things out. I mean, I just totally got my ass kicked, but you know, I kind of liked it really. I mean, I really needed it. I mean, it's just like when you go, when you go to college, your first year after coming out of high school, you know, you think you're, you're the top guy, you think you're the shit. And then, you know, you come to find out you got to start at the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah. When you're at college, one of the things I thought of, you know, now you've had some exposure to mental performance coaching. Did they give you any of that at college at Wright State? So they, they did, they did. And I was, we were lucky enough. Um, we had a um, assistant coach at the time, Brian Arlinghouse, who's now the head uh, golf coach there. He came in my uh, sophomore year, close to my junior year. And he had background in the mental performance. And um, he, he really opened up the doors for me as far as visualization um, you know, focusing on that. And, uh, you know, I, before that I went through a small funk, um, that summer going in, uh, in my senior year in high school, which is, uh, you know, a lot of pressure on trying to make a scholarship, play well in these summer events. And, um, I almost ended up quitting, um, the game completely going into my senior year of high school. Um, I was just, I was a total mess didn't have any self-confidence, didn't have any belief in my game. Um, also had some technical things too. So I had to kind of branch away from, from my dad, unfortunately, how he you know raised me playing golf. And I had to kind of see what else was out there. So I worked with uh, Kevin Jones and I still am. I wouldn't have my golf game without Kevin Jones, but um, I, you know, ventured out to find a performance coach, someone just to just even talk to about golf. Just, uh, you know, what's going on? What am I thinking? And so Todd Kays in Columbus, um, I worked with him for a little bit. And um, so, yeah, the, you know, there was options for sure uh, as far as a perf- mental performance standpoint when I was in college. Was it tough to break away from your dad as your coach? How, how, how was that type of it, discussion go? You know, it, it, it was a little bit at first, but, you know, like, God love my dad. Like he, 
he even like sat me down at a young age and this is how just our relationship is. And he was like, look, I don't care if you don't pick up a club, don't feel pressured to feel like you have to play golf just because of what I do. But when you are 13, you are going to get your ass to the, to the golf course to caddy. <laughs> get some cash. Yeah. So he's like, I don't care what sport you're playing, you're caddying because it's, it's good for you and you learn a lot from it. Um, and, but he, no, like he, he was like, look, I know you're struggling. Um, just, just go out and see, um, you know, Kevin Jones who, who, who teaches out at Moraine. He's like, just, just go talk to him, you know, explain what's going on and he might help you out. And, um, you know, it's really neat to just still have my dad, um, just still in the relationship loop of golf to where, you know, I can still talk to him about what's going on, how I'm feeling. Um, and he, and he knows exactly you know what I'm saying, but, um, yeah, it was, it, it was, it was just a little tough to get away from it, but he's, he's probably glad I did. Yeah. So what's, when you talk, think about the way you think, and you mentioned mm-hmm. a few areas there, how would you, how would you summarize you as a thinker fairly deep, not, you know, just get on with it or what, what, how do you summarize that? I I'd say I, sometimes I, I do think a little deeply, um, but just from working with Jamie here since January, it's just, it's all about taking the rubbish out and making it simple. Yeah. And, and just as simple as a, a mantra repeating when you're playing golf, like that's, that's just the beauty of our minds is we think that the more we make it, um, you know, the more information we give it, the better prepared we will be, you know, in the time of pressure, but really, you know, our minds love just things that are just dumb, stupid, just easy and just just fairly repeatable. Before I hand over to Jamie to, you know, chime in, um, when did you make the decision or how did you get in contact with Jamie? What was how did that work? It was through our, our man, J.D. Oh, J.D. Uh, J- yeah, yeah, J.D. with previous podcast yeah. guests. Absolutely. Yeah. I, yeah, but it's JD. So um, I met JD when uh, I first got to Nona um, in October for a little bit, um, and you know, just playing golf there just a couple of weeks. And I met JD, um, you know, got to tee it up together. And uh, JD had a great showing at the Latin America Q School, and um, you know, it was I I felt like I needed something new just from a mental performance standpoint, and. Um, I'm like, hey, like JD, like who you? You got anyone that you're working with? And he's like, dude, you got, you have no idea who this guy is. Like, I got to give you his information. Like, he has legit changed the way I think just about golf and everything else. And uh, so that's you know, short. Long story short, I meet, I meet our man, Sir Jamie, and uh, <laughs> there you go. Things, I'll, uh, I'll ask, I'll ask one more question that's more from a golf perf um, perspective from my own. Uh, benefit now you two guys are familiar with you know like nona and, and the surroundings around there because you, you know you're there all the time and jamie previously not at the moment but uh as a as a golf pro you know what is that environment like you know i just have a vision where you know it's gmac and right down from everyone else you know just banging out golf balls all day but what is it like you know hanging out at those sorts of joints yeah so uh when i'm in town just you know, getting geared up for tournaments, um, before I start traveling. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's a very special place where you just, 
see guys and gals at the top of their games, just taking care of their business. And, uh, you know, obviously I try and give them as much space as I can. I don't want to interfere at all. Um, but I have been, I have caught myself a couple times watching Stenson flush, uh, some irons, you know, in a 10 yard circle that looks like we're about 200 yards. Yeah. Wow. Well. <laughs> a mouth is just like touching the bottom of the ground, just in, in awe. But now nah, it's, it's a beautiful sight just to see all these professionals just working hard on their game. Even like right now, it's like 95, a hundred degrees and people are still out there grinding. So yeah. there's just an atmosphere. Like you just want to jump right into it with them. Just, you know, people grinding, working on their game, taking short breaks, trying to catch some shade and uh, just working on the game. Now, Jamie, obviously, you know Austin very well by now. You've been, you know, spent most of the year working alongside him and with him directly and remotely. You know, when you hear him talk and, and give that background there, what, uh, you know, what do you think? Oh, look, I just, you know, as, as, I, as I said earlier on, just the way that Austin looks at uh, his golf, his career, his development, um, the way that he confronts uh, hardship and the way he looks at things, um, the ability for him to question everything that he's known about his game in the past and just question, is there a, be- is there a different way of doing it? Um, it's, it's really fantastic, but also he can go a bit too deep sometimes and he can be... Uh, a bit too intense or try too many things. And, um, you know, what the point he made before about just it's just declutter. You know, Austin as an athlete and as a golfer, he he is good enough as he is right now to to compete uh, and to contend on the <clears throat> on the McKenzie Tour, the Latin Tour, the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, he just needs to be able to get the opportunity to do that now that's sometimes harder getting the opportunity to play on a corn ferry or a McKenzie than it is to actually contend on a corn ferry or a McKenzie. Um, and because that journey can be so challenging and it might take a little bit of time, um, that's when you can start to, to try and search too much or, or just do too many things that get in the way of, you know, Austin's natural ability and, was very interesting, uh, you know, uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, he sort of just, after a tournament, Mr. Cut had a couple of rounds that he, he wasn't too happy with and he's just like, you know, I've got no idea. I'm totally lost. I just have no idea what I'm doing. And, um, you know, I wanted to sort of just throw it over to Austin about what that discussion was, you know, after that event and, and that period and what was one of the things that you felt sort of helped get you back to just one, first and foremost, enjoying the game, but then two, translating into, you know, some better performance. Yeah. yeah. So um, the event, and I know exactly what event it was, it was the Ohio Open. And um, since I've already had enough time to kind of uh, debrief from it and we've spoke about it, like I knew I was just setting myself up for bad play because I, I, held myself to high expectations. I had a great showing the year before finished like tied for 15th. Um, so I was already thinking ahead. Like I've already mapped out, you know, I was going to just take over the golf course, knew I had to go low and I'd been lying to myself too, that, uh, you know, I was playing great. You know, I'd go out play with some you know, golf with the buddies and shoot like two under three under, 
good in Moraine, shoot a couple under. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, my game's good for sure. I can, you know, contend this week. And next thing you know, I miss a cut. And it's the first time I've missed like the Ohio open cut in like five, like four years. So, and that was a tough one to swallow. So, you know, I had a quick turnaround in the workday pre-stage qualifier and it was at the golf club in Dublin. And I played there in a, an event, a tour red event, shot like 81, 78, something not good. So I already was like, I was like, dude, you're, you're locked in right now. Like you got to figure this out. And, you know, talk to Jamie and I'm like, dude, I'm not having like fun at all. I feel like it's a job. I feel like I show up. Um, I blink twice and the tournament's over. Um, there'll be some spurts of okay golf, but, um, it's just no enjoyment at all. And so just from what we are talking now about the clutterment, making things simple, we talked about having a mantra and just repeating it, um, at all times when I'm playing and it's not even a golf swing mantra. And if it's all right with you guys, I'm going to keep it a little uh, personal and not sharing what that mantra is. Cause it's, you know, it's pretty valuable, but well, it's from a, yeah, it's, a, it's from a mantra standpoint and you know, that, that can be a challenge for people who are looking for enjoyment in their games to where they can create something that's personal to them that it doesn't even have to be swing related. Um, but it's just kind of giving the attributes that you have and just constantly repeating it. And it can be as simple as three words, um, six words, 10 words. So this whole time in the pre-stage qualifier, um, I'm just saying the simple mantra the whole entire time, not even thinking about the golf swing. Um, you know, just find myself smiling more, um, enjoying the walk and enjoying being outside, uh, being grateful for being outside. And I ended up shooting even par, which that was, a, that was a huge victory. Yeah. I missed, I didn't make it through, but, to go from shooting, you know, an 81, 78 to turning it around to shoot even par, like that was huge in my eyes. Cause I could have gone there and keep the same attitude probably was shot, you know, 80, 78. I don't know, but, um, it was just, it was just developing this mantra that we created that I found joy and, um, enlightenment just playing tournament golf again. And I think, Roscoe, the really interesting thing about that process is it, it, first and foremost, fun and enjoyment, I think, is the number one key to, to these guys achieving a good level of performance on a consistent basis because it is their job and, yes, it is work. They work so hard, but they ultimately begun playing golf because they loved the game and it was fun and it was a challenge and it was different and it was exciting and and it's the reasons that we play golf. But all of a sudden you heap pressure and expectation and financial pressure and stress on them being a, a young elite sort of professional golfer and fun can go out the window really quick. So I thought it was really important for us that day just to whatever we do, we just have to have fun knowing that beneath the surface – the mechanics, the machine of, of Austin as a golfer was really pretty solid. The engine was fine, mm. you know, it just had a couple of flat tires. So 
you know, that, that mantra uh, helped to tap into more of a grateful, um, happy state. But more importantly, it was able to block off that left brain analytical, reactive um, perfectionism uh, pattern that he had been creeping into, which was obviously derailing his performance. And, um, you know, the, I sent a message to a client just earlier about um, that that win, as Austin put it, he felt like that was a big win for him to shoot even par that day. And just those small wins are generally the catalyst for, for, for the momentum that, you know, we need moving forward. And it was really great for Austin to see that he shot even par, he missed out, but he took the gains from it. He took those improvements from it and really since then has started to continue to build that momentum and and just enjoy the process of getting better because it can be difficult. Austin, some of this um, you know, new way of thinking, you know, from tee to second shot, second shot to green, green to putt, can you can you practice that off the course? You're obviously not playing right now, but you know, can you do things around day-to-day life that help, you know, with this focus on, focus off type sort of thing that I'm hearing? A hundred percent you can do it. I mean, it's just, it's what visualization is there for. And uh, to kind of segue into an even, you know, better topic about our momentum, um, something that um, I was falsely, you know, doing was uh, visualizing perfect rounds, perfect shots. And that's what Jamie helped me kind of tap in more to as far as, um, you know, when you are visualizing, you know, most of the time you're playing golf, you're not, you're not birdieing every hole. You're not hitting every shot to five feet. You know, you're not hitting every green. And so we had to, we had to, we had to change how I approached the visualization because I'm, I'm a huge fan of it. Like I, I, when I got, tapped into it in college like i was like this this shit is for real like it is no joke and even like i was i was i thought i was doing an okay job of visualizing because i saw myself in third person and you know some people can do it but just spending time with jamie you know i'm getting myself to visualize more in a first person you know how are things looking in reality and and from a standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm visualizing, you know, what happens when I do hit bad shots because everyone's going to hit a bad shot. Mm. How do you react to these bad shots? Um, you know, what are you doing when you're getting into a bunker? Um, so it's, it's making the more visualization part uh, a reality. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's what I that's what I recommend to anyone that can do these you know things where they try and picture that first shot, second shot, third shot. I think, too, Austin, that was such a. Yeah, it's such an important um, conversation, uh, Roscoe, to have too, is that people perceive visualisation and visualising hitting good shots and and, and playing the perfect round as as Austin fell into, that that's actually going to be empowering. That's going to help their performance. They're going to get a good return on investment for that time spent visualising great shots. But when we look at a round of golf, for most people, their performance doesn't get derailed by good golf, it gets derailed by when sh- when shit hits the fan. So being able to visualize when a poor shot happens, when an unlucky bounce, um, they've got to take a penalty drop. How are you going to respond to that, and how are you going to react to that? That is a more empowering visualization process because they're generally the things 
during a round of golf that will derail performance. We're all pretty good when, when things are going well, when we're playing well, feeling good, rolling putts in, getting lucky bounces. We're generally all, always pretty good. That doesn't derail us too much, but it's the other stuff that does. And, um, you know, I think to, to go on from that a little bit, you know, Austin had this really, he's very, very motivated, very self-driven and he had this, you know, visualizing greatness, and then his self-talk would also be aligned with that. And and you know, I, I recall a conversation around how much of what you're saying do you really believe? Like, do you deep down believe what you're saying? And Austin, just chime in with with what happened in that conversation and and what your response was. Um, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember exactly what I said. Remember the, um, we had that 85% rule where whatever we say, we have to have an 85% belief that we're going to achieve it. And then we went, we, we went through a process of trying to, and this might have been a little while ago, so you may not have recalled too much, but we went in that conversation of what percentage belief do you have of what you're saying, what you're thinking, um, and then that ultimately led to you sort of realizing that geez maybe some of the stuff i'm saying's not really returning ah yeah where yeah was it when i was when i was talking about i you know taking myself way too seriously yeah 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 it was uh i think it was too like when you know i was after the high open like i just i think i told you like i just i take my i take myself way too seriously um you know, I, th- I feel like all these things have to work together to play really, really good golf yeah. and try and envision these rounds going perfectly. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was more of like just not taking myself uh, so seriously all the time. And, you know, even laughing, you know, I, I feel like I think you guys have talked about laughter after hitting a poor shot. And yeah. uh, I, I find myself smiling more. You know, after, you know, I hit kind of a crappy drive, but, you know, you walk up to it and it's 10 yards off the fairway. Yeah. You still got a second shot in the green. Yeah. So it was just, yeah, it was, it was kind of changing that percentage to where a hundred percent wasn't always the time of, you know, I got to, I got to self-talk, you know, yeah. it's got to be all the time. Yeah. Uh, thing that I visualize has to be perfect all the time. It, it was just more dialing it back to that reality. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's the, the, the thing too with that, that positive self-talk is it's, you know, obviously it's a powerful process, but there is that, you know, uh, I suppose that balance point where that positive self-talk becomes too distant, too far from our current reality, then we start not, you know, really to not believe ourselves, And that's one thing that as an elite golfer, we have to have complete trust and belief in what we're saying to ourselves because then we can't, we can't step into commitment. Um, so and it, yeah, for like, for me, like, you know, the self-talk recently, you know, I feel like it is there because I know I've been putting in the work into it and, you know, I've, you know, and we've talked, you know, you've had me write stuff down, you know, even grading myself from a one to 10 on mental performance and mental health, you know, I'm writing stuff down after a day's work to where I can finally see, you know, all right, what stuff are you putting in your game 
so that when you know stuff hits the fan out on the golf course you can believe yourself when you tell you things you know you hit one in the water and you take a drop you know your first reaction i can still make par yeah. you know are you gonna yourself if you know you're working on your wedges for two hours a day i mean i i think i'd like to believe in my game that if I told myself, you know, you're a great wedge player and I have the, you know, the proof to back it up, yeah. I believe. But if, you know, you're kind of lying to yourself, which I felt like I was at a point where, you know, I wasn't finishing my drills and I was trying to self-talk, that stuff ain't going to happen. Yeah. And it's interesting because you look at um, golfers measure their mechanics quite a lot. So they'll put their swing on video and they'll, you know, get behind yep. it and they'll have a look at it and they'll check if the lines are right. But they don't generally assess or measure their mental game anywhere near as much. And obviously it's a little bit harder to clarify, but when we go through those processes of each day writing things down, your post-day journal of going, okay, well, this is what I did today. These are the things that I'm really happy with and proud of in my development. Then that actually starts to create that library of belief. And it's, yeah. not, it's not belief based on fluffy BS talk. It's actually based on reality. And that's what, you know, you're saying about if you hit one in a hazard and you've got to take a drop, what do you believe about that moment? It goes back to Herbie in Dubai, you know, he, First, the, the playoff hole, he hits it in the water, but no, no, well, I can wedge this close and get this up and down and stay in the stay in the tournament. Now, if he hadn't if he hadn't done the work prior, then there's no chance he's hitting that ball anywhere near that pin because it's so close to the water itself. So um, I think that's, that's a really um, – and I know that the last session we had a few days ago where you spoke about you can really feel the momentum, but it's real momentum. Exactly. You know, exactly. Explain that a little bit. What you meant by real momentum? Um, you know, it's it's just it's kind of how you just you just feel in your body, really. Um, you know, it's it's kind of the conversations you have with yourself. You know, when you're simple as driving to the golf course to to practice to to go play nine. It's kind of the small feelings you get or conversation of you know, is a conversation where it's like, all right, great. I got to go practice. You know, it's hot out. You know, do I want to go play nine? If I do play nine, you know, probably not going to play well. Or are you going to flip it around and be like, I can't effing wait to get outside. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm hitting the ball. Great. I can't wait to get, you know, to these drills. Yeah. I'm going to go play nine. I'm going to carry my bag and I'm going to play well. And I'm going to shoot under par. Yeah. And it's, it's that type of momentum that you can just feel. And, you know, I've been doing some other things too that, you know, have kind of fed into that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm drinking more water and drinking a gallon a day. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I decided to do this program, uh, 75 hard program. And, you know, I don't have to get too much into detail about it, but, you know, I'm not, drinking any alcohol for 75 days. Um, I'm not eating any, you know, cheap meals for 75 days. Um, so I'm currently two weeks into it and it's just, it's totally reprogrammed my brain. So it's just like little things too that um, have fed into this momentum that I'm kind of just seeing from where I was three weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I love about, uh, about Austin Roscoe and that, 
uh, have a lot of, well, I mean, there's a lot of belief and confidence in an excitement in the journey ahead because he's, he is courageous enough to do the little things, to make those changes. Um, you know, a lot of people might sit there and hope for, hope for patterns to change, but he's very proactive. Sometimes he might be too proactive and want to do too many things, but it's, he's really creating that awareness now of just what are the simple things that help me function? Uh, at the end of the day, he measures how do I feel do I, do I feel like those things are really having an important impact and, and helping me to, to become a better player or are they just, you know, the, the, the noise in a day and he's, you know, he's doing a great job and, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, that, that real momentum and self-belief has to come from actions and behaviours. You know, what did I do today? Mm. Um, and specific to elements that, that, that are going to impact his performance. So, um yeah, it's been uh, it's been a fun uh, fun few weeks, especially that was triggered from a pretty low spot. But um, that's the the great part about it. Austin, I was just going to ask you a question. Which one of the processes that I think, by the sounds of it, you have recently started doing more of, and it's something that I am trying to do more of myself. And it's something that I know that you know a lot of high performers in that you know in your space do and also in the business space and anyone that I listen to talks about that journaling and that note taking and that process. Is that a recently, you know, you've started to be more diligent around that note taking and analysis part of that? Yeah, I, 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 I tried to get into it. Um, and it was, I think it was right before Jamie and I met and I, I, you know, kind of what we've talked about. Uh, I was, I felt like I was doing too much of it and it led to like, I had a journal like right before a golf tournament, as soon as I woke up and it had to be part of my routine. And it was like, next thing you know, like I was journaling before bed and I found myself like spending like 30 minutes journaling, 45 minutes journaling and just, just felt way too overwhelming. So um, I fell off with a little bit of it but i'm back on it now that's just from simplifying it and so i write three things that i'm grateful for as soon as i wake up three things uh just a gratitude shift um and that's right as when i wake up first thing i do after set you know turn off my alarm and then i go about my day and then right before i go to bed um i write just small little victories that i've had um you know it could be anything from having a good workout session, uh, completing a drill, um, you know, maybe a note going into tomorrow that I need to focus on. And then, uh, you know, might be five bullet points and then, uh, just grade myself one to 10 mental performance, mental health and shut it off. And then the end of the uh, week, go back, tally it all up, see how the week went and get ready for the next one. Love it. Sounds, sounds fantastic. Well done for making uh, that change. It's great. Jamie, what else? Anything else we need to? I feel very privileged to be sitting here like a fly on the wall, listening to, you know, a young professional man, you know, trying to just do his best and, you know, being open with with me, with you, but with and therefore the audience. So, yeah. you know, the appreciation wow. factor to you, Austin, is through the roof right now. It's uh, very, very valuable. Just sitting here listening to it, I, I get firsthand access to that, and to you, Jamie. Um, anything else from you, Jamie? No, look, I think, you know, the point that Austin just made there about 
you know, whatever, whatever we do and whatever he does has to have a clear purpose and an intent behind it or it is going to get lost in translation. It's just going to get it's just going to get caught up with all the other white noise that happens during a day. But when you put some really clear purpose behind actions and some intent, why are we doing this? Like the gratitude journal, why are we doing that? What does that do? What emotional or mental shift does that help to create when we start the day with gratitude? Same goes at the end of the day. You know, writing down the little victories that you had. What purpose is that for? Why? You know, once you do that, then all those actions have meanings, but you've realized that less is more. You don't have to do a lot, but what you do have to do actually means a lot more. And that was where I think Austin was falling into that pattern of he was doing so much, but none of it had as much meaning or purpose. Um, so he wasn't really feeling the benefit from it. But as soon as we decluttered a little bit, kept it simple, put some purpose behind it, and now you I mean, he commits to these things as well as anyone on the planet. And, um, you know, it's uh, it's fun. So I knew the other day when we chatted, I'm like, oh, we've got to get him on as a guest because he's just so insightful and uh, just has so much great content. Excellent. Really good. Well, I guess we'll wrap that up uh, there now. That's, um, I think Austin's been really super insightful and really do once again appreciate your time and input and um can't thank you from the bottom of my heart, but uh, yeah, I think that's been great. And I think the listeners will get a lot of value out of listening to real life experiences from someone who's, you know, playing their trade at the highest level and, you know, just like all of us, trying to make a fist of it, mate. And I think, Roscoe, too, before we, we wrap it up, just to, to reach out to Austin and obviously firstly say thanks again, mate, really appreciate it. But what is the, what is the rest of the year look like for you? Oh, yeah. I know it's... Uh, you know, just so because I think Roscoe too, what I'd love to do is come back in you yeah. know, three or four months yeah, yeah. time and get Austin back on and just see what that journey's been. So, for sure, what are in the pipelines uh, the next sort of three to six months for you? Yeah, so I mean, really, it's just like a month to month type of deal. I mean, yeah. you really just take things, you know, at weeks at time, and I'd be like, all right, where you know, where am I going? So the next for me is I'm going to be in Charlotte for three weeks. Uh, I'm playing in two G Pro events, and then I'm playing in a Swing Thought event. Um, spend some time back in Ohio again. Uh, I'm going to play in uh, just a small club event um, in Columbus, and then um, looking to do. I think I believe the local IQ events that uh, that small series that just popped up. Yeah. Uh, Looks like there might be a couple Monday qualifiers, um, yep. especially. Florida. So going to look into that, but, you know, really just trying to be as patient as you can be during this time of uh, just weird times, you know, a lot of uncertainty. So uh, just trying to stay as patient as you can and, you know, also being proactive and not, you know, getting caught behind on. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Yeah, I thought it was going to be a month to month type of a deal. So um, yeah, it's a tough one this year. Mate, do you think we can get you? Do you think we can get you back on at some stage uh, later in the year and just uh, have another catch up and just see how it's all unfold and see how you're going? And yeah, absolutely, I'd love to. I mean, Excellent. you know, like you know, like I said, I'm thankful for being on here, but um, you know, I also like helping people out. So, really, if anyone can just get some small snippets out of this, you know, I, I like I said, I personally listen to this um, on my drives, so I've taken some snippets out you know, just before, you know, when you guys talk about these things and, you know, they're real, they're real life things that even help outside of golf. Um, and so 
I just as long as I can just help, you know, at least one person, I can sleep well at night. Might send you a video of my chipping, and you can uh, feel free to give me any feedback on that, mate. <laughs> I just on that first class uh, flight to Lake Nona. Yeah, yeah. well, I can't wait. I absolutely can't wait for that time to happen, and uh, it will happen. We don't know exactly when, but it will. And when it does, you know, we can yeah. sort all of that out. Well, mate, Jamie, thanks for your time. Thank you, Austin, once again for your time. It's been absolutely awesome. And until next time we meet, thanks for joining us on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. Appreciate you listening. Thanks for listening to the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast by Dare to Dream. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and head over to daretodream.com.au for exclusive access to the free video program, Eight Tips to an Unbreakable Mental Game. Join us next time on the Mental Mastery Golf Podcast. <laughs>